Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Today, of course, marks the one year anniversary from the attack on the United States Capitol building, uh, the breaching of the Capitol, and uh, all the things that took place that have followed that. The president spoke this morning, uh, as did the vice president. And many have been wondering today if the American experiment is uh, going to continue on or if it is democracy in decline. And so we've seen the headlines, and you can see the headlines from the partisan point of view. Uh, But as always, on a day like today, uh, we need to get past the politics of all of this and get towards what the future of democracy really should be and should look like. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. So we want to break down as we begin the day a couple of things to think again about as we look at the events that happened a year ago. Uh, Awful, horrible, tragic uh, loss of life and really an assault uh, on our nation's capital. And I want to do this in a couple of different ways today uh, as we think about what has happened and what comes next. And I I want to start with the events that began the day, that started the morning today. Uh, And I actually want to begin with Vice President Harris's remarks uh, because I actually think she gave the better speech today. Uh, I think she was uh, far more focused on the future than the president was. Uh, We'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, But I love that the vice president took time within her speech uh, to talk about the strength of our democracy, uh, pointing to the certification of the election that did happen on that day, despite the disruption from uh, those that uh, breached the United States Capitol. Take a listen. The resolve I saw in our elected leaders when I returned to the Senate chamber that night Their resolve not to yield, but to certify the election. Their loyalty, not to party or person, but to the Constitution of the United States. That reflects its strength. And so, of course, does the heroism of the Capitol Police, the D.C. Metropolitan Police Department, the National Guard and other law enforcement officers, answered the call that day. So I thought the vice president uh, really hit it right there uh, as she commented about the resolve of her colleagues uh, to continue the certification process just hours 
just hours. I loved that they went back in the middle of the night uh, and pounded the gavel, reconvened, and continued the certification of the election. Uh, and I appreciated the fact that the vice president uh, really applauded members across the spectrum. It uh, wasn't just a, a nod to Democratic leaders or senators or to Republican leaders or senators. It was everybody. It was the resolve of elected leaders to return to the Senate chamber that very night, just hours after the breach of the Capitol, and to certify the election. The work of the people went on, and I thought it was great that the vice president took time in her speech today uh, to set that tone that, look, we're, it worked. It survived. The work of the people went on. The democracy moved forward. And that's important for all of us to remember that it did stand. Uh, the president followed the vice president, and he spent a significant amount of his time uh, focused on his predecessor. And uh, we're going to listen to a couple of these. I think he had some good moments, uh, but I think the speech uh, missed the mark widely, sadly. Uh, I've told many today, uh, not just here in the state of Utah, but on other uh, radio programs across the country, uh, as I've been interviewed today, that I got up this morning and I so was rooting for President Biden. I so wanted the president to deliver a message that would pull and call the nation forward. And he did not do that. He had moments where he got close. He got moments where he could have gone farther. But there was the obsession with the former president uh, I think got in the way. It sounded much more like a campaign speech than a speech that was delivered in Statuary Hall, also hallowed ground in the United States Capitol. Uh, take a listen. The former president of the United States of America has created and spread a web of lies about the 2020 election. He's done so because he values power over principle, because he sees his own interest is more important than his country's interest, than America's interest. And because his bruised ego matters more to him than our democracy or our Constitution, he can't accept he lost, even though that's what 93 United States senators, his own attorney general, his own vice president, governors and state officials in every battleground state have all said he lost. That's what 81 million of you did as you voted for a new way forward. I just, I, I would have loved to have been in the room when they talked about the strategy for the speech and really the therefore what? We always ask that question. Therefore what? You give a speech, therefore what? So what, what did the president want to achieve in the speech today? Uh, he talked to the 80 million voters who voted for him in the election, uh, did not address the rest of the folks, uh, as he likes to call them. Uh, and so I, that that just was baffling to me, uh, that it was almost as if he wasn't sure he won the election because uh, he kept going back to that. And it's like, no, Mr. President, you won the election. That was a year ago. You did it. You won. Move on. Lead. Uh, and so that was the disappointing part is that he just kept going back over and over and over again uh, and you know, as we said at the top, accountability, consequences, 100%, absolutely no questions asked. We need to know more. We need to find out all the facts, and we need to move it forward. And we've seen a lot of that. We've talked about all the arrests and the prosecutions and what the Department of Justice is doing. 
what all the other investigations that are going on are doing. That needs to, to play out. Not a problem. Uh, the president sounded far more like the prosecutor in chief than he did the commander in chief. Uh, sometimes we even talk about the president as being the consoler in chief or the uniter in chief. And the president failed to do any of those today. He was a prosecutor. He sounded far more like the attorney general Merrick Garland laying out the case than he did either consoling or confronting or providing a path for the country to move forward. And that was the disappointing part to me today. And I think it was a disappointing moment for a lot of independents in this country uh, who were hoping to turn the page. And we haven't. Uh, and we, we have to do that. Now, the president did have some, some nice moments, as I mentioned before. He concluded his speech with some words of hope uh, for the future of American democracy that I think are worth listening to. I know how difficult democracy is. And I'm crystal clear about the threats America faces. But I also know that our darkest days can lead to light and hope from the death and destruction, as the vice president referenced in Pearl Harbor, came the triumph over the forces of fascism. From the brutality of Bloody Sunday on the Edmund Pettus Bridge came historic voting rights legislation. So now let's step up Write the next chapter in American history, where January 6th marks not the end of democracy, but the beginning of a renaissance of liberty and fair play. So I think that was the crucial moment. I think that was the most important moment of the speech when the president said that January 6th shouldn't mark the end of American democracy, but the beginning of a renaissance of liberty and fair play. Uh, I thought that was uh, the best moment in the speech. Uh, and sadly, so much of it got lost. Uh, in a tone that was angry uh, and frustrated and uh, just confusing to me. Uh, and that part was disappointing. Again, I, I think the vice president uh, delivered a very good speech uh, and had the best lines of the day for sure, uh, referenced uh, some important pieces in history. Uh, also, I think House Speaker Nancy Pelosi uh, addressing her colleagues this morning from the Speaker's chair uh, in the House, in the well of the House of Representatives, and I think she struck the, for the most part, for most of her speech, she had the right tone, she had the right temperament, and she had the right direction. And I especially appreciated that she looked at it historically as well. When he delivered the Constitution to the Congress, he said this. He said, this Constitution represents the creation of a government which would allow for the continuation of rigorous debate but relies upon the common sense and good faith of the American people to find the better angels of our nature. As we proceed, let us find our common ground, reach our nation's heights with liberty and justice for all, remembering the words of our great patriarch and in the spirit that our chaplain referenced of President Lincoln, with malice toward none, with charity toward all. I think those were very good, very appropriate words from the well of the House of Representatives from Speaker Nancy Pelosi. And again, I disagree with Nancy Pelosi on a, a wide range of things when it comes to policy. I think she got the moment right today and uh, wish that the president had followed suit a little closer there, because I think the most important thing we have to recognize is that we do have to move all of this forward. Uh, we do have to move forward. 
Yes, we will have accountability. Yes, there has to be consequences. All of those things are part of the process, and they're playing out, and they're being done. And we need to acknowledge that and validate that. And then I think the the bigger test for us is, what am I going to do? And what am I going to do different? Uh, Days like January the 6th uh, will be noted in the history books for sure. But more important, when we talk about the future of democracy and whether it's teetering or in decline or whether it has a great path forward, that starts with we, the people. That's where this country began. That's where it is. And that's where it always has to be. What are we going to do about it? And how do we move the democracy forward? With Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.